In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. have indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 418 of our ongoing exploration of the immersive cosmos and cosmos is the operative word today because this episode represents a special treat Last week, I was brought out to the test center of Cosm in Utah. Now, those who have been listening for a while will remember that Cosm is the company that is building an immersive media venue in Hollywood Park in Los Angeles next to SoFi Stadium. Uh, that's where Beyonce and Taylor Swift uh, performed. Uh, it's also where the football teams play. Uh, <laughs> They've also got a second site in the work in Dallas. While Cosm, as Cosm, has only been around for a few years, at the core of the company is Evans & Sutherland, a firm that serves hundreds of planetariums around the globe and whose founders invented the first CAD programs and the first virtual reality rig all the way back in the 1960s. In fact, when I ran into 2-Bit Circus's Brent Bushnell at Squid Game in L.A. last week, he was there with his dad, Nolan, the founder of Atari, who just so happens to have been a student of Ivan Sutherland back at the University of Utah, which set him on the path to creating the home video game market. Oh yeah, this is one of those it's-all-connected moments. So Cosm flew me up. And they did. Like, Cosm covered the travel here. I want to be transparent about that. This junket would not have happened without them doing it. So you know, make of that what you will. Cosm flew me up to the University of Utah, and I got to see the test center in the ENS building, talk again with Jeb Terry, their CEO, and finally meet, meet Neil Carty, the VP of Cosm Studios and Labs, who, uh, and also got to meet composer and new media artist Ricardo Romanero, the latest artistic collaborator to join Cosm's creator program. Some of you remember Nancy Baker Cahill, friend of the show, is also part of that program. I even got to see a test run of Ricardo's Liquidverse project, which we'll get into in a bit. So Cosm is taking a big swing here. They are pouring concrete. They are making a big play. They're spending a lot of money and pivoting this company, which they took private, into this new space. And the thing is, it could very well be at the right time, as the sphere in Vegas has been making waves and defining the public's perception, or redefining the public's perception, of what media inside a dome environment can be. This episode is going to break down into three main parts, along with the usual outro, whatever that becomes. My interview with Jeb and Neil, my unscripted impressions of the Cosm Test Center experience, along with the Liquidverse test, and my interview with Ricardo and Neil. Now, before we get into all that, I want to thank our latest backers, Max Sunday, Nina Ferreira, and Carson Lee. Thanks for the churn from the top of the month. We stand at 13 members shy of our 450-member milestone that we really want to hit. And indeed, right now, because of all kinds of things, it is imperative that we get the numbers up on the Patreon 
otherwise it's going to be a really rough start of the year uh, because of some unexpected things that have happened in my own life uh, or maybe anticipated, but the timing not so great. Uh, starting, starting on December 15th, the $2 a month tier is going into the vault probably forever. It's no longer to be offered to new members. So you got like seven days as I'm recording this, if you want to get in there and get in at the cheapest level possible, which, you know, Hey man, go for it. Swing over to patreon.com slash no proscenium before that deadline, because after that deadline hits, the newsletter becomes something that's only offered to new paid members. Uh, the discord of course has only been offered to paid members uh, for a while now. Uh, and we've got some other perks that we're working on sort of looking at what is membership in no pro we're, we're, we're thinking hard about that and, and bringing some stuff online, uh, as, as I, as I, once I can deal with some chaos that's erupted, uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium. It would mean a lot as always big thanks to our sustaining backers. And, and I, I got a suspicion one or two of you, uh, are going to have to step off the plate for a while. Cause I know what's going on in some of their lives. But big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mystery, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, Kurt Collins, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker LeCool, the Ministry of Culiarities, and Jan Budman. And hey, uh, if you've got some special thing you'd like to do for this super dedicated community, hit me up at noah at noprosidium.com. Uh, we love giving perks to our backers and also deals to the community at large, uh, help us help you connect with our fans, Noah at no All right. On that note, let's get into the first interview and that's going to be with Jeb and Neil. We are currently sitting in the boardroom adjacent to the Cosm Experience Center here in Salt Lake City, Utah, on the campus of the University of Utah. And I just got to have some incredible demos, including a demo with a, a live experience, which you're going to hear about later on in the, in the podcast. Uh, but to my left is Jeb Terry. Say hello, Jeb. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for uh, joining us and coming to see what we're working on. It's um, fantastic to be here with you. It's great to have you on the show again. Jeb, for those who don't remember, is the uh, president and CEO of COSM, uh, where we are sitting today. And to my right is Neil Carty, who is the vice president and head of COSM Studios and Labs. Did I get that right? You did. All and right. thanks for having me as well. It's we, We've talked a lot on LinkedIn over the years, so it's really good to like meet in person. And I think we've always been like missing each other by like a couple of days in different cities for about the past year. Pretty much. So speaking of the past year, it's been about a, it's been, I think a little over a year since I visited you guys in Los Angeles. We're in Salt Lake today. I got to see the tech. It's amazing. Uh, I wanted to ask you how are things going with the build in Hollywood park in Los Angeles, which is going to be the first, uh, the first venue for you guys. The build is going fantastic. The, the team is, is really been delivering, you know, to be fair, we've managed a lot of different weather, adverse weather in LA, especially last year. Like, with the rains and everything that was yeah, coming. we usually was, don't have those. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we we've had to be nimble there, but the team has really held the schedule and done incredibly well. And so with the progress on the building 
has been fantastic. But then, you know, this year has also marked the progress with our content slate and the programming and all the creators as well. So as we are getting ready for our open next year, we're feeling feeling very good about what we can offer the fans. Well, and, and it, you, you, you gave me a presentation earlier today talking about how the, the company came together and the tech stack came together. And we, I think we talked a bit about that last time we had you on the show. So I'll refer some of that back uh, for people to, if they want to roll back into that. I am really curious, and, and this is why I have both of you here right now, about how the approach to what's going to happen at the venues is going to be. Because you've cast a really wide net, and, and I could go and describe some of that, but I'd, I'd leave it to you guys actually to talk about what are people going to find? Uh, we can talk about the food and bev side of it in a bit. We can talk about like the fan experience in a bit like we did last time, but, but you've made a lot of deals, and you've brought a lot of artists in over the past year, and I'd love to give you guys the floor to talk about that. Well, I think the key is is that we want our venues and our technology to be a platform for amazing experience. Okay, and, and I think experience applies across all genres, you know, all content types, and then our ability to have this platform and, and that that approach makes it, you know, for all comers basically. We we want everyone to be able to come to the Cosm and experience something they love. For some people, that's sports. We've talked about that a lot. For some people, that's art. For some people, that's music. Some people don't know honestly. And so the promise of what we're building is to create an environment and a platform so that fans of all sorts, of all types, can come and experience tech like they've never experienced it before. Bring the human element to life there so that you feel something. And, you know, hopefully as you saw today, the various, you know, pieces of content that we showed in the demo, each one had unique kind of moments through it and a unique experience within our venue. And that's the intent. And that's why we put so much mindshare towards our Cosm Studios and Labs group because they're create amazing creators out there, right? More than I've ever even known were there. And so what we're seeing is, is pretty incredible as they're coming to, to work with us. Sunil, uh, take us through a, a tour of some of the folks you've announced already and also sort of the, the types of work that you're pulling in here into the venue. Yeah, I mean, and no, as you said, we, we've cast a pretty wide net, but there's also just a lot of rabbit holes that we've gone down. I think a lot of people will be very surprised at how deep we're going into the immersive community that has already been building these experiences for decades. It's important that we acknowledge that and now give them the tools and the technology and the display to make those sort of incredible, bold visions come to life. But to answer your question, uh, you know, we've announced four of our creative collaborators as part of the program. One, Nancy Baker Cahill in Seek. Uh, she's on the immersive art category. Uh, um, Planetary Collective in Orbital. Uh, Ricardo Romanero in uh, the Liquidverse, as well as Chris Holmes in what he's creating in Journey Within. Those are four cross-disciplinary categories, all of which will reinvent those experiences that people are used to experiencing in very new ways, but also together they create a totally diverse set of immersive content that complements the live sports and embraces those fandoms. So uh, there's there's a there's an Ellen here about... I saw so much today because at, at one point, you know, there's there's the, the hype reel and getting to see clips from UFC, getting to see clips from NBA, both of whom you've announced as, as partners at this point on the sports side. Uh, I had an Xbox controller put in my hand so I could like drive some some work happening, uh, work I could drive a character around, and, but also really really get into like the 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 grit of how this this space you you've made is is working. There's so many modalities that are happening in that space, does it ever lead to sort of a bit of a 
paralysis of like, well, what are we going to focus on? Because we could do almost anything with this thing. 100%, right? What we're, you know, and we push the team to try everything, right? Because there's so much stuff that we've unpacked since developing the Experience Center and so much more yet to be discovered. I think the goal is to always push and and try new things. I mean, that is that is something that I think we 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 talk about constantly because we really don't need to be the tastemaker ourselves, right? We want to be the platform, the technology, so that the next test tastemaker can emerge, right? So in the modality, whether it's an interactivity thing, whether it's um, live performer in front of the technology, whether it's live streaming from any point around the world, whether it's, you know, however the immersive industry continues to evolve. I mean, that's the beauty of the industry we're in. It's always changing, always moving. There's always something new. So how can we make sure we can always bring that in and express it in, in, in our way and let the content, you know, play for itself? I think, you know, when we look at it, we have a few anchors that we really know and love, which is what we're starting to announce which is that live sport, which is that immersive art, which is that experiential entertainment, all those core things. And then we want to make sure we always leave room to bring in the, the what ifs, the surprises, the people that are coming to us that see it and get moved and say, can we do this? And I, and I always want to say, yes, we can. Let's evaluate it and see what the audience thinks. Yeah, I would say like, you know, all the ideas that everyone else says no to because they weren't you know, bold enough to take that vision bring those to us and and you'll be surprised what we'll say yes to in many cases and yeah there may be some some tweaks to bring it back to reality a little bit to be honest but um sort of the more wild the more immersive the more fringe the better because we can bring that in and really introduce that to new audiences that may have never seen anything like that before in their entire lives well we, you know I, we tell neil's like neil make me pull you back mm. right <laughs> maybe you're like but that is that is too far right make me say we have gone too far we need to revisit this and and that is really what we want to continue to push because look i mean art experience a lot of it is is subjective at the end of the day right you, you, you know people like things people don't like things but what you cannot ignore is a feeling right how how you emotionally or physically feel in the tech in the media and these guys have expanded my purview well beyond what i what i ever once conceived prior to right and being able to learn from them and learn from our team and then learn from the creators has really opened the aperture for me and and it's been exciting to see what we can do now uh, let me focus on from the creator point of view for a second because you know when when we talk about you know particularly if people haven't been to your experience center or if maybe they're not even familiar with what's possible in a, in a dome situation uh, what kinds of approaches you know what, what kind of technology or or experience making uh should creators be kind of familiar with or could creators be familiar with uh, to, to to wind up approaching you and, and get a good fit going on here because they're you know we've, we've talked to this fifty thousand foot level about what the possibilities are but i've also seen your stacks and racks and it's like i know there's there's a lot of grit and ground level these are the things we could take in so i'm wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about what the kind of inputs that are coming in here which there are a lot of different types which speaks to the robustness of what you built but i know that's going to help a lot of the creators who listen to the show anchor of like oh yeah this could be for me yeah i would say for the fir first and foremost right think about the spherical canvas and that can mean you may be working in a vr headset 
You may be working in a dome theater. You may be working in the world around you, in world building, right? But you have to be able to think about bringing people into that world in more of a spherical way. The second thing is usually when people come out here, creators come out here, they think they have something very concrete in their head they're going to pitch, they're going to want to do, and that changes about 180 degrees in the best possible way. And that when they see the technology and the capabilities and they feel that visceral response of stepping into the dome and in many cases experiencing their work outside of a headset for the first time in their life, um, where they see someone's look on their face, uh, that's where we start to sort of lean in. And in many cases, they have to think a lot, of, a lot about speed and a lot about how you're leveraging the entire canvas where you're moving around. It's not just a linear um, show. You're not looking just in a box. You gotta think about all the different multi-sensory elements of the toolkit that factor into that too, whether that be sound um, or, uh, or light or motion um, or, or things of that nature that you know that you feel in the physical world. So that's where that community gets really excited. We often bring them together in many cases with different disciplines so they can feed off of one another when they're experiencing their work for the first time. And then we lean in very closely from a collaboration perspective to say, here's what we've heard other people um, want to accomplish, are challenged by, here's where we think we can provide some input. And we, we try to alleviate that challenge often of building for an entirely new canvas. And I know that, you know, uh, Jeb, you, you talked me through some of the, the actual technical inputs that, that have that are possible in the piece. I wonder if you could like laundry list some of that stuff. Yeah, the, the, the key is is we work with creators, producers, you know, all types of amazing talent, and we want them to be the best at what they do, right? And so we want our tech to be able to source any of it from anywhere, whether that's pre-rendered, whether that's live, whether that's game engine based, you know, Unreal, Unity, any of the programming and, and, and languages that people are building in now, uh, whether it's sourcing just a linear feed, Right, and bringing that in live, whether it is you know leveraging a creator's medium, which is you know liquid light and art, like you know what you saw out there today, yeah. bringing that stuff in and and, doing, and doing having live video capture of of art that's being made in the space. Yeah, like while, streaming within the space yeah. while you're in the space. <laughs> while uh, while a septet of of musicians are playing right. live in the space, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, this this is I'm I was thinking about this after the performance. I'm like a I'm talking to a camera that's not existing. Like I'm telling everybody on the podcast later, uh, we're going to talk about the specific piece of art in a bit. But like I was thinking about how like the early days of movie theaters, you know, they would build like the you know go to some place like the Paramount in Oakland, you know, owned by Paramount. That was a movie theater. It was also a performance venue, right? Like I saw plenty of concerts there, right? There's there's live theater that happens in those spaces, and and here. This feels what I'm seeing. The space you're making, the the, the concrete you've poured in Los Angeles, it feels like moving the needle in that direction in terms of what a, a, a video empowered venue could be, because you've made space for activating live. I would well, just add one thing. I, I would say, like, don't let that technological prowess deter you. Too a yeah. lot of the analog craft that your audience is already engaged with, we embrace that just as wholeheartedly as anything else. And in many cases, it's saying, great, take that. Now let us layer our technology and capabilities on top of that to create something that you have never done before and provide the scale and distribution that you will probably never accomplish if you're doing it entirely on your own. So we, we really integrate that into the entire process. Most of the pieces that we bring in actually have very strong analog roots and that when you step into the, into the venue itself, you're gonna actually be brought into a digital world that you'll be able to touch something in the physical world and see that when you step into a Cosm venue. Well, and the key is, is the tech needs to disappear. Right? Mm. We don't want people watching the media. 
We want people experiencing it. We want you to be in it. We want you to understand what the artist, the creator, the the live event, whatever that is. We want you to be there. The transportive nature of what the immersive industry is all about is to transport fans, right, into different worlds, into different areas, wherever it may be. And, and that's what our tech needs to do. And that's why we focus on all the quality aspects. Because when you come in and you, 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 know, you see a, an LED out or there's a, the board's wrong or it, the experience breaks down, you know, but if you can come in and you can escape and you can be in the piece, in the media, that's where we win and that's where we try to push towards every single time. Um, and then we bring all those creators and their disciplines of life. You know, we've had even college students create unreal models and just drag and drop and all of a sudden put you in it, mm. right? Doing, doing all those things. I think that's where we always continue to push and then with it, when, when it gets all manifested in our venue and then it comes alive and you have the connectivity of that human experience, that's what, that's what the shared reality moment's about. That's what we, we always continue to push on every single time is that shared reality aspect. One of the things I was really impressed was like, you know, you started the demo in the lobby here and even the screens in the lobby here and the, the, the lobby space, the, the, the hall, which you hall. call it yep. uh, for, for the, the final venue, it's going to be a bit bigger than the lobby here. But you, you, you threw up a piece of, of spatialized work, uh, 360 work, and it was it was 360 in the lobby. And then you were using your tech stack to layer more elements in. And I'm I'm sitting in there, you know, while I'm driving something with uh, with an Xbox controller and thinking like, oh, I could I can easily see like esports yeah. happening in the venue without any question while someone's playing, but then all the other stuff might be going around. All the all the Chrome might happen around. You know, the, you know most interesting things we've always talked about is you know when when there were, there were concerts within Fortnite. Yeah. And millions and millions of people got online. Yeah. Right to participate in that world and that experience. Now imagine we can also have the physical destination, yeah. and you can actually come and be with 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 like-minded fans that like the same things, and you're in that moment together, and you're experiencing together. I mean, the key is 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 you know how much when when we go out in the world, you're going to start looking at things a little bit differently because you're going to look at like there's so much wasted lobby space, mm. or like wasted queuing space where, you know, what we've designed at Cosm is the minute you walk in, you're you're in Cosm. There is no wasted waiting or queuing or any of that once you're in. And I think that's what the hall represents is coming in and being the media and start that that onboarding, right? The run of show starts the day the minute you step in. And there's always those moments without the entire venue, in dome, out of dome, on the deck, all those moments where, where the media comes to life in these other ways um, that we think is core to that experience. And um, you know, the customer journey, how you feel, what you see, that is our North Star every step of the way. Uh, before I, I lose you to your next appointment uh, and, and we do the next segment, I want to I want to focus f for what fans can expect coming in 2024. Uh, what's 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 the idealized uh, week that's happening at Cosm? Uh, you know, what's what's sitting in your deck right now? Like, you know, someone who's looking at goes on the website, you know, come Q2 and, and is like, oh, what's happening at Cosm this week? What does that week look like? Well, what's amazing is, is Neil's always banging on my door saying, I need more time. I, I've got these like, creators are, we need more. We need more inventory. I need more inventory, right? So, you know, that, that's, that's the beauty of where we are right now is that we've been able to announce some really big relationships and partnerships. We have many more to come, but there is going to be live sports anchored throughout, right? Fall is a very busy live sport time. Right now there's NBA going on. There's college basketball going on. There's college football going on. There's hockey going on. Baseball just stopped. There's ultimate fighting all these things, right? So a fan could come and expect that 
every night of the week there is live activity, live action happening. But then also there's so many day parts, right? And so bringing in the experiential and immersive art, the experiential entertainment, which we barely tease a little bit with you today, but those opportunities are fantastic to have a dynamic watch party moment around really good, solid, strong, known IP. On the weekends and moving into late nights, there's bringing in DJs and EDM and, and having those that music hit with the visuals and the whole venue takeover. And then even we have programming for the for the late mornings and the earlier times when there's um, you know more of a you know, virtual tourism and just opportunities to have all this other art and layering in and creator work. And we're looking at doing create hours and Cosm Studio blocks to where you can come in and look at a the portfolio approach of all of our creator libraries. Oh. And it's really interesting to see how it continues to evolve. And at the end of the day, we are going to go and listen to what the fans want. You know, we're going to present a massive menu of fantastic opportunities, some live, some pre-rendered, some interactive, all of it. And then we're going to listen. And we're going to see what does best and what fans want most. Yeah, it's, it, look, it, it's, it's going to be democratized to a lot of folks. And we just have to understand, I mean, we have to understand what the capabilities are to make it a full feature length slash, you know, standalone program. But there's a lot of opportunities to test some of the work that maybe in smaller formats right now and use data and sentiment from audiences to say, this is what I really like, so why wouldn't we lean into something that we know the audiences love to make it something bigger and more more evergreen? And you also have the advantage of, of having this venue and being able to operate it, you know, as much as much as you want to operate it and and open up opportunities in the week for trying little experiments all week long absolutely and and, and then you know when there's when world cup's happening at like you know two o'clock in the morning la yep. time you might still be open because someone's going to want to come and watch those games and there's going to be a lot of overlap right. too right the people coming off of whatever sporting event there may be they're going to be just as interested in some of the other pieces as we've seen that type of immersive entertainment existing inside of World Cup, right? We've seen people using things like AR in the middle of a halftime show or, or other concerts or music is another big genre that we're certainly exploring in, in more immersive formats. You know, one of the things that I, that I keep waiting for is for some creator to say, I want that 4 a.m. window on Tuesday to create the coolest, like, off-track experience where, mm -hmm. you know, my fans, the audience I know can come and they know that this is that moment, you know what I mean, and that's the beauty of what we have is we can we can program this all all times of of, of of any moment, and so that ability and that that control and the flexibility allows us to really curate these creators that want to do that. And like when you come in and, and you know it's it's Halloween, right? Think about the Halloween horror nights and and all the things you can do around that moment, and it's really it's really limitless. We we get back to where we started, where there's so much you can do, yeah, you know, um, and then that's you know. The limited shelf space is the day, is the hours in the day, right? And there's only 24 hours, but we're going to try to, if we can fill them all and we can drive audience, we will. You heard it, open brief, 4 a.m. programming. So it's all it. you audience I mean, out there, hit us up. something that's going to blow my mind, and I'm, you know, that, that spot's open right now. I mean, I mean, overnight horror camp out, you know, yeah. like in the dome throughout the whole space. Like, that's an easy one. Get nuts. So, Do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. No, seriously, like, someone, someone, someone uh, listening to that is, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll pitch that. I mean, and I just want to I want to point out to folks who haven't had a chance to, like, walk around the space. And I know, Joe, we got to lose you in a second. Like, um, you know, you took me behind the, the, the LED wall. And the thing that blew me away was, like, we could see through it. And so that 
you know, from the point of view of someone who has done performance, that felt like being backstage and peering through a scrim uh, or or just being on the sidelines and being able to see what the audience was up to or what was going on stage or like waiting for, you know, I had, I had a vision of like waiting for my cue and, and sweeping around. And you mentioned that like, you know, you can rig up live mocap, you know, if the film could be backstage driving a digital character. So there's there's a lot of possibilities here in terms of what people can get away with. And the, the tech is literally translucent to a creative. They can stand behind the main piece of tech and see what's going on. And that opens up things in a, in a, in a major way for creators. Well, then the creators can, can also be nimble and see where the crowd's reacting and understand what they're leaning into. And I mean, it just, it just opens up all the the notion of the connectivity that we talk about, and I know I circle back to this all the time. But but shared reality is that driving, that driving you know force behind what we're doing, and that's that that's about that human connection that the crowd can have when they're an amazing technology and the visuals and the media and everything plays in harmony, right? And that connectivity we feel in the room, the electricity, all of that is what is so special. And because we can do it live. And because every time you come, Noah, it can be new and different. It can be the same take on the piece you saw, but tweaked. And then we can add another component. So there's always something to come back for. That's the beauty. It's not like we're going to have a standard step run that you know is like, oh, this is the same thing, same thing, same thing. Every day, there's something live. Every day, there's another new surprise and delight moment. And there's always something when you come to Cosmo. And the promise of what we're offering is that you can come no matter what. You'll have an amazing hospitality experience, a great F&B moment, and you'll be able to lean into some type of, of really cool content that will uh, you know, ideally move you in a way that uh, is almost indescribable. All right. Well, Jeb, I know we've got to lose you f- for this segment. Neil, uh, stick around for part two when uh, we, we get into the specifics of one particular piece, which has some of that uh, modularity. It's got in. it all, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got, it got a lot built in. Wait, so. Before we jump, I want to say thank you for spending time with us. Really appreciate you coming out and seeing it. Um, oh, thanks for having me out. Like, you know, you guys, you guys, you pulled me out here and, and I've been wanting to see this for a while and getting to see it in its full, in its full glory. Uh, I mean, it's going to be even bigger Like yeah. when you, when you, when you get the final piece and that's probably, that's going to be even more visceral. Uh, but this was, this is really special. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. I want to thank Jeb again for sticking around and talking with us. Neil is going to be back in the next segment of the show. But right now, I want to talk about what had happened just before we did the interview. Because just before we did the interview, uh, I got to get like the whole song and dance spiel about Cosm inside the Cosm Dome. And I'm going to tell you right now, I I've always been... I've always been maybe maybe dome agnostic is like the best term. Uh, I've seen some dome stuff that's been, in fact, I've seen a lot of dome stuff that's been aggressively meh, and I've seen a few pieces of dome work that has been really nifty, really incredible, impressive. Indeed, makes me realize why people reach for this and and, and try for it, and. 
And a lot of what it comes down to is whether or not the work that's being made understands that relationship between the people in the space and the material on the screen and sort of what this stuff can do that really, really works. And having seen the, the hype reel and having seen some of the, the demos of what they've got, I think they're cooking with gas here. It's, it's probably not going to be a hundred percent hit rate, right? Like nothing is, but the mixture that Cosm has put together so far in that they've got this background, uh, on, on the other side of the, the company from like the ENS side in live sports in broadcast. And they've leveraged that to get relationships with the NBA, with UFC to create kind of the, the ultimate viewing experience, the ultimate viewing party for watching that stuff with other people, but not at the actual venue. And when that material is blown up, it's there's there's something to it like it is it is exciting uh they are are perfecting their camera angles they're perfecting the way they edit it they're really dialing in that part of it and the the way they're setting up their their venues is that there's going to be this kind of uh, flow and continuity from the outside to the in there's this there's a part of it where uh, before you get into the actual dome itself, you know, elements of what's happening are going to be playing out. There's a restaurant scenario. Uh, times it feels like it's almost kind of like a casual viewing experience. Uh, there's there's some interesting dynamics at play. And, and that's just on the live sports side. They have been making some interesting moves when it comes to what artists they're bringing in, who they're talking to, and how they're conceiving of their space as a location where you can have not only filmed material or live broadcast material, but live events happen. And indeed, that's what I got to see with this test of Liquidverse. So let me, let me lay this out a little bit for you. Um, you've got the dome and the test, the test dome that they have in Utah is about 20 meters. The, the one that's going to be in Hollywood park is 80 meters. So four times the, the size, uh, but even at 20 meters, uh, this is, this is a really impressive and, and this isn't projection. This is LEDs and you can get up really close and they, they don't burn hot and you can't really see any gaps in the mesh. But if you're behind, if you're behind it, you can kind of see through the dome. This is also true of the LED setup at the sphere, which a couple of days later, I got lucky enough to get a behind the scenes of, uh, so sort of the same idea, but at a, at a, at a different scale, both in terms of how big the sphere is and also how wide the mesh is on the LED. This is some really impressive technology. It's not even like the LED walls you might see out in retail right now, or even in a volumetric capture stage. It is a, a different approach to the tech and one that gives you some different affordances. You could stick an actor behind the LED wall, put them in mocap and have them doing real time interactions with the audience that were unmediated for the actor by video while fully mediated for the audience because of the dome 
uh, the, the LED surface. Another thing they've got going on is that the LED screens that are in their lobby are, are running on the same software and indeed can do, you know, spatialized video inside that space. So they've got a lot of tricks up their sleeve technically. They can absorb a lot of different types of pre-existing media, which they walked me through. They, they selected some stuff that ILMX Lab did and like put that in. They can run real-time gaming software on their surface. They can take a, you know, 8K picture that was done in 360, throw it up on their surface, and it looks absolutely stunning. There's a lot of flexibility in what they've built and that enables them to bring a lot of artists in. And the way they're bringing artists in is interesting because, and you'll hear Neil talk about that a little, a little bit later, they are, they've got a development fund and they're treating it as such. So Liquidverse. Liquidverse is going to come in a couple of different flavors when it finally launches. At least that's what their plan is at the moment. Uh, one version of it will just be a fully pre-rendered, fully pre-recorded experience. Another will be one that is on the visuals, uh, pre-rendered, pre-recorded, but for the audio, for the music, will feature a septet, that's seven musicians, uh, a lot of, uh, some strings, woodwind, uh, horns, uh, arranged in the space and playing in conjunction with uh, an electronica track that's that's been uh, put together. Uh, you know, uh, Ricardo is a composer, first and foremost. And indeed, one of the works he did recently was at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. And they also did a test of some of that stuff, of having the septet be in different spaces inside uh, Cosm's, uh, Cosm's volume. This mixture of pre-recorded video and live music, you know, there's something about having those instruments in the space. There's a resonance here that just creates something really beautiful. And then there's a tier on top of that where the visuals are being created live because there's uh Liquidverse is a reference to this kind of, um, you know, this, this art form that uh, has its root in uh, psychedelia of dealing, dealing with different uh, liquid mediums in order to create these abstract visuals that are rendered uh, by an artist in through dropping drops into other liquid medium and, you know, manipulating it to create these sort of wonderful images. And this is something that, uh, you find at, you know, rock concerts, uh, often doing, being done live, these, this sort of VJ setup, but with these live visuals and they were doing that here and it's, it's really lovely. It's just, it's just lovely. It's chill. It's, it's a beautiful experience and it's really exciting that something so kind of high art vibe is being brought into this space that is also, you know, looking to run the UFC live. And that's kind of the dynamic range of this new type of medium. Indeed, that's the dynamic range of what's going to be going on at the sphere, uh, which, you know, I don't think people fully grok what that is. It is, it is the size of Madison square garden, right? It is this huge venue in Vegas. It has these big 
big rock concert and it's going to have other big, big live events inside of it that are going to take advantage of this, this space. And Cosm is going to have their spaces, which aren't as scaled as large, but are still going to be able to work inside this medium and indeed a little bit more voraciously. I think Cosm's plan is to program more aggressively between different live events that are happening both on the screen and then events that are happening in the space. Things are going to shake out based on what audiences are really into, but they're placing a lot of different bets right now. And honestly, that's one of the more exciting things I've seen in the past couple of years in terms of a company wanting to play in this space and not just wanting to do one type of work or not just wanting to be fully digital or fully live. With that, let's go talk to Neil and Ricardo about the Liquidverse project. We're back for the second segment from Cosm this week. Joining us for this one is composer and new media artist Ricardo Romanero. Thank you. I just got to see. I just got to see the work in progress version of your Liquidverse Microcosm Macrocosm. That's that's a really nifty special piece you got going on. Tell us tell us about what it is you're making for Cosm. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be talking to you and to Neil about this. And I'm creating one of the most special pieces I created in my life. I really feel that what I'm creating for them is a culmination of everything that I've been working on. And now I have a canvas. Like I've always dreamed of having this canvas. And it's just going to be so special from the visual, from the music. Like everything is coming together that I work for. I'm bringing all my collaborators in. I'm bringing just the amount of musicians that are talented, the visual artists. Everyone's just giving it all for it. So you talk about this piece as being like you know, culmination of your work so far. So for for those who, who aren't familiar with, with your herb as it is, tell us about what you have been working on. Because uh, Neil was telling me a bit in, in the break, you know, that you, you, you sell out shows in New York. Uh, give people a sense of what your vibe is. Yeah, like, you know, I dabble in everything. I'm very much, you know, since I graduated from school, it was like 2008, I went to Juilliard, got my master's degree. Once I graduated there, I just felt such a stale Mm. a stale version of how they're presenting music. And then I started to, you know, incorporate lighting design. Then all of a sudden I moved to projections, started miking everything, becoming, getting to be quadraphonic sound. And it started to build up and kind of, I create audiovisual installations for festivals. I do film scores. I basically do a wide range of things. But all these wide ranges of things kind of are all in this, in this project right here. Whether it's film scoring, installation, audiovisual, everything is in here. And I feel that that's just one of the most special parts about it. And the most incredible thing about this is the mix between analog and digital. Mm. And right here, we have an incredible digital canvas that is just so futuristic. And a lot of people these days are you know, going to AI and searching a lot more technology and pushing technology with technology. And we're kind of taking a almost like a handshake where the analog and the digital meet, where every all the visuals that you're seeing are all analog, created by visuals, lasers, and kind of any analog stuff that we find. And I think that's going to be the special thing about this. 
uh, I'm going to stay focused on on the piece for that I just saw for a second, and then Neil, I'm going to I'm going to bring you in to talk about how you how you who you brought him in uh, to Cosm. I want to get I want to get that story here. <laughs> um, y- what we just got to see, you had pre-recorded visuals uh, for one version of it. There was also live visuals being created in, in real time by by an artist in inside the space. There was recorded uh, you know, pre- pre-recorded audio, and then also a septet of musicians playing live uh, that that's a that's a lot of layers to kind of like bring together uh <laughs> why are you so crazy and uh <laughs> it's and, an evolution and couldn't and couldn't you always just couldn't couldn't you just you know slap this on a, like a on a blu-ray and push a button and be done with it like why go so complicated or is there a version of this that people might come to cosm and see like the the just the music and the visuals and and not like the whole the whole live experience correct you know you actually you know you know the right on the head that's exactly it for right now we have a a piece that's just plug and play where you come into the you come into cosm and you experience with the screen and the spatial audio and you're immersed in it and it's really beautiful and then we have these special ones, these special experiences where we actually do bring in the musicians to play. And then another plus experience would be to bring in the visual artists to play with us too. So we can kind of really up the game on this from like just ca- like the basic from a plug and play is just a beautiful version of what you're hearing. And then you just start to amplify that and kind of bigger experience. How do you conceptualize the, the the difference between those those versions, right? Like I I just dropped it into a rubric in my head, but I'm curious yeah. as to like how, how you think of those those distinct versions of the experience. What what's what's analogous? What's you? what's so great about having the live experience is that it's different every time. Mm. And you actually the musicians improvise just like with the visual the lighting with the visuals, they improvise too. So you, you're coming to hear this experience and the minute you hear it once, you're like, okay, cool, let's next hour you come back and it's you, it's still the same soundscape, but you're hearing totally different again with like musicians improvising melodies around. It's more, the score, it's like, it has these almost like jazz charts where like you can go to certain sections and that's where, like what you saw, the iris at the end, those are almost everything was improvised at the end within mm. parameters. I give them parameters that they improvise and they bring it. So then that way, it's almost like that jazz experience that they still under the structure, but they're st- you're still hearing something fresh and new every time. One of the things I also caught was for this version of it, right from the start, you had you had a, the trumpet player was was <laughs> was in the back and above in in the eyes. Is that is that something you've done in other stagings and other works before of like uh, kind yeah. of creating like real surround sound? Uh, absolutely. Um, I recently just, did, I don't know if you, you're in New York, right? No, no, I'm in LA. Oh, in LA. Okay, so I just did um, an experience for the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. it was a sound bath. It's called Sound Garden. And I put all the musicians in all different areas of the garden. They were all connected into the main line where you can have the, like, every, they all played harmony with each other without even hearing each other, but they knew the, with the parameters that they was coming in harmony. So you can walk around all these different conservatories, like the indoors. And you're just completely immersed in these sounds, and you're just like salivating from sound in each one, like the desert, the tropical, oh. the bonsai. So it was a really cool idea to have this kind of environment where people are walking around and experiencing. And that's the one of the things too about Cosm that like there's so much room for creativity and growth. It's just how to execute it and get it right. Neil, um, during the break, you were talking about how this is like you know a dream job for you, um, and I want to get into that uh, a bit. 
Um, tell me about you know, the process of bringing Ricardo in, and 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 <laughs> and when you knew you wanted to do this, because he's one of your one of your first four that you've announced in terms of the artist collaborators. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been fortunate. I've, I've known Ricardo for probably about a decade right now, so that's a whole other podcast of, of how we came to meet. But I, I've also had the experience of seeing him work in so many different formats and part of that growth. And I've been impressed at every single touch point. But not only that, I got a chance to look at how audiences have been moved by his work. And I like I, I sort of know, for, I knew from the beginning, I'm like, we're going to work with Ricardo at some point inside here. But then when we got him out here, it was probably around Sundance, right? When yeah, we get exactly, you out. Yeah. And his mind just, I got a picture of him somewhere where it's just like his mind is, it's like that, you know, garbage pail kids thing. His head's just exploding. <laughs> and... Um, and then when he brought he brought in here, he's saying, this is what I want to do. I want to bring liquid visuals in. And as, as he mentioned before, there, there are a lot of analog ties and craftsmen to the work that we do inside of Cosm. And then when thinking about that too, that, that blended together was honestly a no-brainer. Um, the way that he can think about spatial sounds, put people inside the pit of an orchestra, but also create something that people will, like, they're not going to know what, what hit them when they come in here. And that's what we really want to do with a lot of different pieces in that they're gonna, we're going to reinvent how people experience music in this case. They're going to come out and just say, you have to go visit, experience it for yourself. And um, I don't know, he, he, Ricardo was talking about the Botanical Garden piece. Yeah, yeah. He's being a little humble. He just played with black coffee at MSG. <laughs> I mean, like he's exploding right now. And just to see, to see how we can bring that into Cosm is going to be really incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, I'm so honored to be here and to work. And actually, the one thing that he hit the point was, this is like a dream for me too, because when I was in school, while a composer, you can actually go to the orchestra rehearsals and I would sit in, sit in the orchestra mm. and hear the rehearsals. And I remember thinking like, wow, I wish I could bring this experience to like, people have no idea what it's like to be in the middle of the orchestra and you hear the flute to your left, the brass to your right. It's like, I was like, wow, this is like, and then you go to a concert and you got that wall that's a barrier between the audience and the orchestra and it's just it felt so flat and then now with Cosm like with the spatial audio like I'm gonna bring you inside the orchestra you're gonna like feel the power of the orchestra as you're like inside you're gonna be like trumpets flute all around it's like so I want to recreate that experience that I had because that's really like that's immersive like I remember it was 2008 2007 I was graduating I'm like I didn't even use the word immersive I was just was like I just don't want this kind of presentation. This is boring and stale. Like, what can I do more to make it? And it's like, little by little, what I was doing is just breaking down that wall. And I'm here and actually, actually like, have the ability to bring you inside the orchestra and actually give you an experience, what I had. I, I think the other thing, too, that's really interesting to me in that, like, Ricardo has the opportunity to really introduce classical music to an entirely new audience. Like, so he has a pretty eclectic style. Yeah. <laughs> um, w when you see that, you'll get it. But also, you blend sort of electronica music with 100%. it, with like even totally other things. So when people come in, what people think classical music is, is going to entirely reinvent what it is in their mind. That mixed with the visuals of the collaborators and liquid verse, right? Yeah. A new world. Yeah. Take me back, if you can, to when you first came here to the Experience Center. Like, oh had you God. had you seen domes before? Did you did you know what you were getting into? I thought I did. It was nothing like what I experienced. Like, I came with a bunch of content because I really didn't know what what was gonna work, what wasn't gonna work with this. And it's funny, you come with content like, okay, this content looks sharp. I can't wait to put it on the screen. And oh my God, this dome is so unforgiving. Like you cannot hide stuff. You need to have 
the best of the best and know what you're doing know how to render like it's it's been still been a journey but wow like and when i got here i started to play content some stuff was too stroby some stuff didn't look so well and then just with the cosmo cosm and the whole history i'm like this we got to make a a, a space show almost in a way to kind of really talk about like give props to like the history of this company and then I'm like yeah let's do like the the birth of the universe birth and death of the universe take an abstract journey through it and really kind of bring it together you know what well, you got into a little bit of this I think in that answer but what as you've been working on this what have you found yourself in terms of what the space affords be it in the visual or the audio side of things that you find yourself maybe leaning into that you maybe didn't expect yourself to be leaning into so much um, on the on the visuals part mm. I'm, I'm usually like i work a lot on the music part i collaborate with a lot of visual artists but i always have my hand in when i work with them it's not like oh just make me something like yeah. for this like we have film shoots i'm there every day we're, we're trying different things out and that's one of the things like i'm growing as a visual artist mm. working here and that's something that I always did it as like an aside so I can understand, so I can always engage with the visual artist so I know what I'm talking about. And now it's like, I'm actually creating, I'm understanding how to, how to render, how to like actually render for this, you know, and how to actually create for this canvas. And it's been like mind blowing. Neil, I wanna kind of ref reflect a bit of that question to you in that, I was just thinking about how, you know, Ricardo was just talking about how, you know, he's, you know, leaning into visuals, which, you know, is, is, is something that he's always done, but, you know, not, he just answered it, everybody, so I don't have to repeat. <laughs> uh, it just made, it made me think about the fact that, like, you know, Nancy Baker Cahill, friend of the show, uh, who is also one of your announced artists, you know, Nancy's a visual artist. And I, I'm wondering, you know, each of, of these folks you're bringing in, like, they come from a, a really different discipline, and yet, while there's all this like myriad of like all these things cosmic men do there's also like the totality of someone's experience so uh, how much of your job is 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 becoming about helping people find routes to like expand their expand their canvas or like maybe dive into the parts of this that is not necessarily their wheelhouse I, mean, I think it's always been a, l a large part of my job and a large part of our team's job you know I kind of joke sometimes we're, we're part studio we're part <laughs> A and R. We're part psychologists. We're part motivational speaker. <laughs> we're part distributor. I mean, like, there's a lot that goes into this, and we actually we love that process. Um, and what we do is, especially in the early stages of development, we offer as many resources to alleviate the difficult parts, right? So that may be a storyboard artist or an engineer or something to get mm. to that idea. I don't. I, I spent I spent a good portion of my career on like the agency marketing side. Um, I hate RFPs. I will never issue one ever again in my entire freaking life. <laughs> and it's like, it starts with a conversation. We will put just as much time into that pitch with them to get that through. And if it doesn't land on the first time, we'll keep working with them as long as they're willing to put their time through. So to answer your question, a lot of that comes into thinking like, how are you talking about yourself as an artist? Where can you grow? How can our technology empower that? How can you come in here and say, I want to break that part of it to build mm. it back up again because we're at, a, we're at a really luxurious phase right now where we're going to invest in that. We want to create the best experiences that anyone will come through our doors will get, and we're going we're gonna to make that capital and resource investment to make it happen. So, I mean, 
I, that, that's my favorite part of the job, right? Like finding people in a, not that I found you in a, although wait, I found you in an attic in a brownstone in New York somewhere. But there's like there's, finding there's people. There's a lot in, of artists up like, in attics and brownstones I mean, in New York. It's just but like, but you know, there's a New York Times article I think about you somewhere, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is. I mean, like we, we, we love that. We love meeting people on the festival so like, and then learning what's inspiring them so we can say, all right, like let's figure out yeah. where best to um, situate them in the overall programming sort of calendar? How do they fit in the overall yeah. picture of what we're delivering for Cosm? Creators will sing of this somewhere and has a sense of what their spatial kind of tick is and is is maybe right now thinking about coming and pitching you guys. What what should they be thinking about most of all in if someone's going to approach you at the moment? And how, putting, how, what you're, how what you're doing has never been done before, and I hate that's another agency kind of thing, but it's like um, we're not going to – if you're familiar, if you're seeing something that feels familiar to you, uh, you're probably in the wrong place. Mm. Um, you got to check your ego at the door here. Mm. Yeah, there's uh, – look, we care about the collaboration. We're going to put a ton of energy into that. So, look, I think it surprises some people. Like, we'll post up and say, hey, like, reach out if you've got an idea people do sometimes I think I'm not going to say names of people on my team where their inboxes are going to get blown up right but like we take every single phone call every single email we have a conversation with every creator that comes across and says I want to do something unique and that may not be now that we move with them but it, w it may happen in the future um, so think about the craft think about how you want to sort of use a, a dome technology um, in a way that's never been done before and let's have that conversation yeah. and actually that's when I came here, I'm trying to I'm trying to create something bigger than what I created before, mm. and that's not that's the same about the ego. It's like you got to just check it, and the company here will provide you with the people, the resources, to, for you to achieve that goal. And they're very honest, like, hey, this doesn't look good. What do you need to make it look good? And let's go find the route to do it. And it's just been testing, 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 all day long. How much do you think? on on the on the creator side on the on that artist relation side how much do you think your job is going to get um, change once people are inside the space and see what it's like and, and start to experience things do you, do you expect there to be like a, a I mean we're, we're certainly gonna listen to audiences inside we'd be mm. foolish not to but at the same time, I still want to push audiences to experience things they've never experienced before, nor have they even thought about experiencing. So there's always going to be that edge in that, and that will get complemented by some very mainstream sports and entertainment content that's out there, but there will always be a role for really risky, new, and innovative um, approaches to content inside of it. Th but then at the same time, that's what we, we talked a little earlier also in during the break about you know there will be opportunities for beyond sort of marquee standalone programming like Ricardo's, but for other artists to test smaller formats yeah. inside of that and to come in and then we'll look at that and say, well, you know what? Who, who would have known that this particular piece would have resonated as much as it has? Let's take a look at greenlighting something that's much bigger. And that's what any major media company is doing these days a little bit, whether that be through data collection or whatnot. We're just taking a much more hands-on approach and saying, let's see what people think about it. All right. Well, gentlemen, 
thank you both. Uh, awesome. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the final piece uh, w- when it goes up in Hollywood Park. Yeah, I'm, and I'm so happy you were here to see it and see the us, us working on workshopping it, rehearsing. It's really cool. Oh, it's 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 really you know it's it's fascinating to watch all all the pieces come together, and it was really fun to be able to see both. The, the fully pre-rendered version and then the, the live mix version mm-hmm. and and how much that brings brings to it and and just and the sound is just amazing I mean, Thank the, you. the music I mean, the music's beautiful but also the arrangement that, is yeah, incredible it's, it's actually yeah. for for this piece this is exactly the music came from, usually like when you shoot a film you shoot the film then let's put some music after mm. this one I wrote the symphony first and now we're overlaying the visuals on top of it so you saw swatches, but just wait till everything is synced to the music and everything is on. Like, yeah, it's gonna be on. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it already it's the music is filling the space in in in. I mean, the acoustics in this room, and and I just and I know the acoustics yeah. in the dome. I mean, that's one of the fun thing. It's like there's there's one in Hollywood Park, and then there's the the second Dallas one is gonna be in Dallas, uh, and you know that they're gonna be best of breed in terms of tuning these spaces up audio and visually. So it's not like this is being pumped out to eight bajillion headsets or like, you know, 50,000. It's going to feel, it's going to feel very intimate. Yeah. At the same time, while it's look, it's not a, it's not a small um, audience, but it's going to feel very personal. Yeah. And that's what Ricardo's working towards. Yeah. That's the dream. Cause sometimes you scale too big. Like you said, we, I I just did something at Madison Square Garden with black coffee. Mm. Sometimes you just do something so big. It's great, but you don't have this like, intimacy where you felt like wow i really had a bunch of people in the palm of my hand and we guided them it's like when you have like too many palms on your hand you can't guide them to this like insane journey go far yeah you know, something smaller you can go so far it's it's always like my experience of like stadium shows in particular like some artists you know absolutely like they, they find a way to dissolve that wall you were mm-hmm. talking about right yeah, yeah exactly like yeah. i've i've had i've had the 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 fortune of going to see you two twice in stadiums and be down in the pit. Basically one time was fourth row center. Another time was like in the part where like the gangplank was going over <laughs> our head. So like really close, like Bono was like 15 feet above my head at one point. And like you're there and there's like, you know, 30,000 people or whatever, but you feel like you're in a club show. Uh-huh. But I've also been to like, you know, stadium shows where it just feels like, well, they're just blasting sound off the stage mm-hmm. and it, there's a, there's a true art form to it. And, it really is. and, and what's fun about this space for music is that because of the way the surround audio is working and be just, even just the shape of it, like the intimacy of the audio is sort of baked right in. I'm going to be really curious to see how, how the music program here uh, shakes wait. out over time. So stay tuned for sure. And you know, yeah. Oh, all ears. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Neil? Thanks, Thanks. Noah. Once again, I want to thank Ricardo and Neil, and of course, Jeb, all for being guests on the show this week. I want to thank the team up at Cosm for arranging this. There's a lot of folks who put the pieces together, and indeed, Again, to be transparent, Cosm paid my freight to go up there. Uh, not not the first time we've... Wait, not the first time? No, I think this is the first time we've done something like that. Uh, and I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to see this thing with my own eyes. 
uh, well before it launched. So that's why that went. Uh, and, and indeed wouldn't be able to afford to you know, do it uh, without them covering, covering freight. Because uh, that's just how tight things are right now, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, <laughs> or, or I'll get into a different form. So go, no, he's going to start talking about that. Hold on, hold on. You, you, you can turn it off in a moment. Let's talk about some other stuff that's coming around uh, and things that are going on that are not, you know, poor, pitiful Noah. Uh, let's talk about uh, another exciting thing that happened this week that uh, you'll be hearing more about next week because we've got that episode already in the can. And that is the release of Walkabout Mini Golf's Meow Wolf expansion. That dropped for Walkabout Mini Golf, which of course is, we play it on the Quest. Uh, and I got a chance not only to play that level early, and it is incredible, uh, but also talk with key members of the team, uh, both at Walkabout and at Meow Wolf, who worked together to bring it to life. It was a fantastic conversation, and you're going to get it on next week's episode. Uh, I didn't want to burn two episodes in one week. I, I nearly, you know, if I had had a different week than the week I had, you might have gotten that, but I didn't have a week that afforded that. Oh, baby. Um, Look, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in these these other parts of Immersive, but live is going strong too. I mentioned at the top of the show, I got to catch Squid Game The Trials. That was fantastic. Uh, there's also plenty of stuff popping off in LA. Uh, last weekend, it was just for the one weekend, but uh, all of them witches did The Shape of the Night, which was this, this party show hybrid that they set up. All of them witches, of course, being folks from E3W Productions, uh, you know, Tommy Haunton and Eva Anderson and Molly Elfman and... Oh my God, I'm Eric, Eric, Eric's last name I'm blanking on at the moment. Uh, I'm usually really good at this, but anyway, like that, that, that whole crew, I'm going to remember Eric's last name in like, you know, like five minutes, like he and Eva have worked on a bunch of stuff together. Anyway, uh, you, you could tell like the LA scene was having a blast uh, with some of their, their hometown heroes uh, doing, doing a, a show. And there was something that, uh, that in next week's episode, Katie Kennedy was talking about that, 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 that from Meow, Meow Wolf. Uh, that that made me think of that show. So everything's kind of swirling around. There's this energy back to to the scene here in LA. There are these big swings that are happening in Vegas. I mentioned I got to go behind the scenes at the Sphere. I still haven't seen anything in the Sphere, but I've seen what the Sphere can do, and I'm like, my God. And there's again with you know, Cosm's got these spaces that are gonna kind of be, you know, I don't know what the pricing situation is going to be on a Cosm experience. Uh, but I know right now that the sphere is charging folks a hundred bucks to watch the Darren Aronofsky film and seats for like you two like start, I think like $400. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Cosm's model is going to come in a, a, a bit less expensive than that, perhaps a lot less expensive than that and kind of open this format up to folks in, in some big markets, starting with LA and Dallas, that uh, a lot of folks are just going to get, you know, priced out of doing something at the sphere. Well, at the same time, sort of wetting people's appetite for these large scale immersive media experiences and the technology that is behind this, this LED technology, I'm, my brain's already running at a high clip 
on what's going to be possible to sort of mix the digital and the real live performance, real time motion capture uh, with formats that, you know, will probably go beyond uh, the, the fully immersive spherical dome uh, or the Tauruses uh, that that both uh, Cosm and the sphere are doing in that it's. It, uh, the torus meaning that it's not a half dome, but it kind of reaches back a little bit so that the bowl of seating, uh, you know, and the, 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 the video wall uh, blend into each other. So you, you don't see a, a gap. You kind of feel like, you know, the seating is embedded into it. Um, it's, it's also just, it's just a cool environment to be in. You feel like you're wrapped up in the the imagery in a way that even IMAX can't do. Um, it's it's a it's a really interesting moment. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to ultimately what kind of work is being developed for it and shown. And we've got these two theories uh, in terms of what the sphere is doing and the cosm programming approach. And I definitely think there's room in the market for both of them. And I'm kind of curious as to see, you know, what, what takes off. Um, and there's, there's so many things on the technical side. I was at LDI earlier this week and there's all these, these changes, uh, you know, in terms of production flow, there's, there's new technical standards for video that are being adopted. Um, that are playing directly into the development of this type of work. Um, there's, there's, there's something from Simpty who are like the people who do Simpty time code. Uh, like there's a standard like 2110, I think is the standard. I, I don't quote me on that, but it was very strange to hear like some visual effects guys talking about it at LDI after just hearing like the tech head of the sphere talk about it and getting to see, you know, Cosm's approach of, you know, making, you know, making a system that allows them to take in all these different inputs, you know, take in like some of these live broadcast standards and put them up inside a rendered environment at the same time, uh, in order to create some really dynamic, uh, visual experiences and knowing that there's, there's more layers to come. Um, I'm a little articulate right now, inarticulate right now, because, it would take a very long time to start laying down tracks about the, the, the audio technology driving some of these spaces and where that takes us, some of the things that unlocks. Um, and what I'm, I'm starting to feel like is like in the coming year of programming, you know, I want us to open up some space to do some more talk about the tech that drives all this talk about virtual production as well and how that bleeds into these sorts of experiences uh, alongside, you know, I know I want to be talking more about magic next year and I don't mean the gathering, but about illusion and about mentalism and the way those disciplines play into making phenomenological effects in immersive that alongside our continuing coverage of theatricals. So there's just, there's, and of course, ex expanding more into spatial computing as Apple drops their headset and also as the lineup for the quest, uh, you know, Meta's lineup uh, on, on the entertainment side gets more and more robust. 
there's just a lot going on in our space more than ever before. And even as the economy kind of like grinds on us and, 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 and gets scary, the potential here, uh, it feels kind of like the part of, of an explosion where like everything's kind of compacting down before there is a big bang. Um, all the components are here for something really, truly transformational. I don't like saying that word, but the, but there's something here and this large scale immersive media venue is a component of that and has the potential to be the critical component of that. And uh, the booster side of me says, I, I think we, I really hope that we have that. So that is where my head is at, at the moment on the work. Um, I may or may not drop an irregular this week for members, uh, just kind of get everyone up to speed on what's going on, uh, with the, the site and some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, they'll even drop a little personal, uh, if you're curious about that, uh, uh you know, make sure that you're tuned into the version of the podcast feed that is coming from Patreon for Patreon listeners for Patreon members, right? There's a, there's a way to subscribe to that feed. Um, I, my hope is to be using that more often, uh, going forward. People will be like, no, you've said that before. Uh, some, like I said, some things are materially changing right now. So there's, there's in some ways more opportunities for that. Uh, and, and that feed may actually become very, very important going forward, uh, depending on how a few things break. You're being so cryptic. I know, I know I am. Um, so check that out. I'm going to do that. I'll do that, uh, over the weekend and just, just realign how you're getting the podcast is, is my recommendation, uh, because we can put a lot more in there. Uh, and indeed it's becoming more important for us to get some stuff that's member exclusive. My instincts as a public media guy is to not do that, but to make things open and available to everyone. But that's not how the bills work anymore. Everything's about paywalls. And that makes me sad. Unless someone knows what the lotto numbers are this weekend and there's more than willing to like, I don't know, split all that money with me um, just by, you know, I'll win it and you'll win it and we'll just kind of nod at each other. It'll be really good. So if you know the winning numbers this weekend, please, please send them my way. I could use that. All right. Um, I hope only like Jacob and a couple other people are listening. Hi, Tim. Hi, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's just you guys right now. Anyway, uh, let's get out of this. Just, just, just weirdness. Uh, look, the associate producer of the show is Parker Sella. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Uh, special thanks to Shvano Lachlan for voicing our intro. Uh, all of this uh, is truly my fault. I am Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>